We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Congressman Daniel Lipinski is probably used to this by now. He's the most conservative of the Democrats in Illinois' congressional delegation and its primary season. So once again, he's facing a strong challenge, and we're going to talk with him about that, the issues, and the challenges facing Illinois with Donald Trump in the White House. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. Dan Lipinski has served eight terms in the U.S. House of Representatives, working for a district that spreads from Chicago's southwest side to the south and southwest suburbs. He's considered a leader on transportation matters, and he champions issues like fiscal responsibility and buying American. Now he's in a three-way, or a four-way, I should say, Democratic primary, and at least one of his opponents, businesswoman Marie Newman, is a repeat challenger. She came dangerously close to scoring an upset last time. How will things go this time? Well, we'll ask the congressman, and Congressman Dan Lipinski... Thank you for being here. Uh, Good to be with you, Craig. Um, Well, in campaign literature that you put out, you talk about Democratic voters who uh, don't feel at home in the progressive movement, and you urge them to join Team Lipinski and reclaim the Democratic Party. Uh, So uh, I guess the first question is, reclaim it from whom? Well, I'm I'm afraid the Democratic Party is is going off the uh, going off into a a Tea Party of, of the left. And I, I think that the uh, the radical high taxes that are going to be needed to pay for so-called Medicare for all, and uh, also the Green New Deal, uh, and other programs are you know, taxes that we just we cannot afford. And I think that uh, we really need to be working together in this country. People are tired of both parties just fighting, bickering, getting nothing done. And if the Democratic Party uh, takes a strong left turn, uh, it's just going to going to make things worse for our country. Does that mean, though, that uh, Democratic primary voters need to lower their expectations? What does it really mean about doing the kinds of things that they're hearing promises about? Well, first of all, I'm I'm a a common sense Democrat. I'm a problem solver. And. I ran for office initially, and I continue to run because I'm passionate about solving problems that people face in, in their everyday lives, uh, is, local issues. I mean, the most important thing for everybody is what goes on in their community. And so I've been very active in helping to, to solve local transportation issues, uh, flooding issues, other issues that um, you know have been brought to me by uh, local uh, elected officials. I was endorsed by... Uh, 28 mayors, a suburban portion of of my district, because I've worked with them to solve local problems. Then in terms of other issues, uh, certainly the cost of health care is the biggest issue right now that I hear from from my constituents. Uh, And it is something that uh, I have common sense solutions for. So-called Medicare for all, I say so-called because it's not really Medicare, uh, because it gets rid of all private insurance, everyone would lose the their employer-based insurance. It would require a doubling of all federal taxes. 
Uh, there is so much that we can do to lower health care costs uh, without going to such a, a radical program. I helped the House Democrats pass H.R. Uh, 3 to lower prescription drug costs. We passed that in December. Uh, you know, we uh, don't really believe the Senate's going to pick it up, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, that's the kind of common sense solution to, uh, you know, health care costs, to bring down health care costs that we need to do. I've been very supportive of improving the Affordable Care Act. Uh, it's something that I did not vote for originally, but as soon as it became law, uh, I said, we need to make this work better. It didn't do anything uh, to lower the cost of, of health care. Uh, it was extremely expensive. Uh, it was going to blow a big hole in the deficit. Fortunately, we changed it uh, to make it more um, more in line and keep uh, our, our our budget in, in line. Uh, but uh, I've been working to fix the Affordable Care Act. We should continue to do that. We shouldn't just throw out the Affordable Care Act like Marie Newman wants to do. What would be the biggest change that you think could realistically help bring down the cost of health care and make sure that more people are covered? Well, the, like I said, HR3, which we passed uh, in the House, which gives the uh, federal government the ability to negotiate for better prices for drugs and, and based on the, the prices that are charged in other Western countries. I and mean, that is something that cost of uh, prescription drugs is the biggest issue that uh, people are, are facing and are, you know, demanding a, a solution for. But I mean, it's certainly one of the biggest, but, but care, the, the, the price of care is still going up and access is still an issue for a lot of people. Um, would there, would there eventually have to be some kind of, if not what the the uh, Medicaid for or Medicare for all people want to do, but would there have to be some kind of public option at some point to to provide coverage for more people? Well, in order to uh, address the issue of provider costs to hospitals and doctors, uh, I support uh, doing what uh, Washington State did. Washington State uh, has created a privately run public option plan on their health insurance exchanges. So. This is uh, about to be rolled out in the state of Washington. Uh, I support uh, giving states incentives to do the same in, in their states. And, th- and that's one way we can, we can address uh, provider costs. One, one other thing, surprise billing, uh, where you go to the hospital and you find out afterwards that someone who cared for you, an anesthesiologist, someone else, is not covered by by your insurance, and you get a ridiculously high bill because you're out of network. Uh, that's also something that I'm working on, and something that can save billions of dollars. Okay, I want to uh, go back to the big picture a little bit, but we are going to return to some other issues. But what do you say to those who, and among them, uh, Marie Newman, your your perhaps your leading challenger uh, in this? who label you as someone to the extreme right as far as the party is concerned? Well, there's really only one issue that uh, people name most of the time, and that's the uh, abortion issue. I'm pro-life. I've always been pro-life. And I think the important thing that uh, voters need to consider is in the House of Representatives, the issues that we vote on when it comes to abortion 
are issues that are um, the position I take is widely supported in my district and, and across the country. Things such as taxpayer taxpayer funding for abortion. Uh, even Democrats uh, oppose taxpayer funding for abortion. A, a majority do. Uh, issues of if a baby is born uh, during an attempted abortion, if that baby needs to be cared for. Uh, again, that's something that large majorities of people uh, support the position that that I take. And those are the issues that we deal with in, in Congress. Um, do you uh, support exceptions uh, on on abortions, for example, for the life of the mother, cases of rape and incest? Uh, for, for the life of a mother, certainly. Okay. Um, I also uh, want to talk about, uh, I know it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's not the issue that is the only issue, but, uh, for your campaign, but in fact, aren't there are a substantial number of people in the electorate who vote on a, that single issue w- one way or the other? Well, I, I think that what my, uh, from what I hear anecdotally, uh, what I've seen in polls it's really a, uh, a a small percentage of, of, of people who do. They're more focused on the issues I'm focused on is, you know, every, everyday issues, uh, economic issues, the pocketbook issues. And those are things that most people are are focused on. And it, those are issues that people bring to me and I, I focus my, uh, my work on. One of the other issues that uh, you have focused on is uh, mass transit. Can you talk a little bit about what you think the needs of the district are when it comes to mass transit? What would be one of the next things that you would be doing? Well, certainly with uh, Metra, uh, I have worked uh, recently to, uh, I brought BNSF Railroad and Metra together when there were problems on the uh, BNSF Metra line. And uh, the service has uh, gotten much better over the last year. I brought, I brought the, both to the table and say, you need to do better. You need to cooperate. Uh, they have, have done that. Uh, Metro's Heritage Corridor Line, I was able to get one train added on there a couple of years ago. Uh, Metro now is looking uh, to add another train, and I'm working with uh, Metro and uh, CN Railroad that owns the line to uh, hopefully get another train added. We need to have more funding for public transportation, Metro and the CTA. Uh, it is needed because the demand is there. It also is very helpful for the environment to get more people taking public transportation. And I've been a leader. Uh, I'm the co-chair of the uh, public uh, transit caucus in the House. And I've been a leader in pushing for more funding. The last bill that we passed five years ago, last uh, rail, road, and public transit funding bill, I was able to get about a 10% increase in money for public transportation. We're starting to work on a bill now. Uh, I am the chair of the rail subcommittee of the transportation committee. We've been holding hearings. I've been holding hearings about more funding uh, for especially commuter rail. And I'm very hopeful that uh, we're going to be able to uh, bring more more funding back home and, and you know provide better service for both Metra, CTA, and PACE. Well, besides healthcare and transit, what would what's at the top of your agenda if reelected? Well, right now the job numbers look good, but there's still a lot of uncertainty out there, uh, a lot of concern about what what the future is. I, I also sit on the uh, science committee. 
I'm also a former uh, educator. I think it's really important to make sure we're preparing our children for uh, the jobs of uh, of today and, and of the future. Uh, that's something that's that's really critically important. Uh, and again, it's people are interested in what's going on that in their community. They want to have safe neighborhoods, good schools, and the opportunity for uh, you know their kids to to live the the American dream. And that that's what I I focus on. Um, I know people may be very focused on the pocketbook issues, but certainly people were also uh, up in arms and very much paying attention to the uh, impeachment of President Trump. How comfortable are you with the way the Democrats handled that impeachment process? Well, I voted for to impeach the president. I saw it as the House serves as, as a grand jury, and I thought there was enough evidence there to warrant a a trial in the Senate. But I also said at the time when I cast my vote that I believe that the House should have spent more time to try to compel direct testimony uh, from people who really knew directly what the president had done or, or had not done. I, I think that was a mistake that the House Democrats um, made in moving forward more quickly than we probably should have. Uh, we could see coming what happened in the Senate. Uh, everyone expected that the president would uh, be found not guilty in the Senate. But I think the biggest problem and the reason why we were not able to have more success uh, in terms of prosecuting this case against the president is there were t- too many people who right from as soon as the president, President Trump was elected, they started calling for impeachment. And including Marie Newman, Marie Newman in um, uh, May of uh, 2017 called for President Trump's impeachment. And what that did was when we had a real serious issue in uh, evidence about the president and what he did with Ukraine, a lot of Americans at that point had decided this was all just a partisan game. And it made it much, much more difficult uh, to convince people a lot of people had already made up, up their mind. A lot of people had decided Democrats were just out to get the president and unfortunately didn't look carefully at the evidence. Um, quickly, do you believe that the Democrats hurt themselves by this process? I, I think the Democrats did hurt themselves with the uh, with the impeachment, but we will see in, in, in the election. I think, uh, as I said back in December, that uh, this could, could be helpful to, to President Trump, but we, we will see what happens. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is 3rd District Congressman Dan Lipinski. Um, I do want to ask about one other uh, issue that's still in play, and that's the War Powers Act. Uh, What's your feeling about that? I mean, the president plans to veto the changes to the War Powers Act that would uh, restrict his ability to do anything that would be likely to start a war. Uh, It's in the Senate's court now, uh, but even if they they voted up, it sound it seems like there's not enough votes to uh, to overturn that veto. What's your feeling about the War Powers Act? Well, Congress has ceded way too many powers to presidents o- over the years. This is not a President Trump issue. Uh, this is generally an issue of Congress not rightfully exercising his power, allowing the president to uh, to take them in, in a vacuum. And I think it's about time 
that Congress steps up. This has to do specifically with with Iran and saying that if the president is going to take military action against Iran, he's going to have to come to Congress to get permission to do that. Uh, that's the way it, it uh, our country was set up. The Constitution was set up. That's the way it's intended to be. And so I, I think, again, we shouldn't just be focusing on President Trump. This is generally a issue of Congress needs to assert its constitutional authority. But now what do you think about this legal theory that we keep hearing a little bit more and a little bit more each time, which is that that the president has broad authority and as long as he sincerely believes it's in the public interest, that he can take those powers and use them? Well, our, our nation was, was set up... Or, I, I always made the argument uh, or or made the case to my students when I was a, uh, a teaching American government that the Article One of the Constitution is about the legislative branch. It's about Congress because our country was set up, you know, all those years ago, uh, revolution against the uh, King of England, and we are a democratic re- republic. Congress is supposed to take the lead. Through the years, presidents have got you know, accumulate more and more power. And I think that that goes against what uh, our nation w- was set up to be. And now there are things that uh, a president is going to need to do. And if there's a, an emergency, if there's in a, for example, when it comes to military, the military, if there's an attack on our nation, uh, certainly the, the president can, can act. But um, again, I think Congress needs to assert its authority in a lot of areas. Um. I want to talk a little bit about the, this particular campaign. Uh, a poll commissioned by your campaign showed you with a double-digit lead over Marie Newman, 47% to 26%. Um, but uh, about that, I think, I'm, or maybe 25 but a, but a whopping 26% were also undecided. Um, are you and your supporters worried about having that many people undecided uh, in this election? Well, the, the, the poll, uh, which was taken in January, uh, if you include the people who leaned towards the candidate, I was at 50%, Marie Newman was at 27 uh, and then Darwish was at 2 and the other candidate was at, at 1. Uh, I think a lot of people, it, it's funny, when uh, you're deeply involved in this uh, 24-7, uh, sometimes it's easy to, uh, e- easy to forget that a lot of people don't focus. On, uh, on elections until they are, you know, very close. So, no, I'm not uh, not concerned about the high number of undecideds. Uh, we have done a, a good job, I believe, now of bringing our, our message, my message of uh, as a common sense problem solver to the people and making clear, uh, make sure people understand, voters understand that uh, Marie Newman supports extreme policies that... Uh, who require radical uh, tax increases. And I think people know Marie Newman better and uh, see her Trump-like dishonest and sometimes hateful rhetoric. And people people don't want more of that. They want to see uh, people, they want to see members of Congress, they want to see elected officials, the president, uh, work together, uh, be honest, and come up with solutions. You know, when you uh, were at a recent editorial board endorsement session, the animosity between the two of you was un- inescapable. Um, 
What is it about her that gets under your skin? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I'm, what I would say is on election night uh, in 2018, uh, Ms. Newman would not concede, and she said, I want Dan Lipinski to have a very painful evening. Uh, after that, uh, she made a claim instead of uh, apologizing for that, uh, makes wild claims that uh, somehow I did something to her, her family, and, but she will never explain it. And that, that's because uh, there is nothing. There's nothing there. And, and I think that uh, what really um, pains me the most about that is I've been someone who, through my career, have really tried to keep uh, political disagreements uh, in the realm of you know, policy disagreements, not, not getting personal. Uh, I think that's very important. I think we have a president right now who people are rightfully very upset, who is oftentimes dishonest. Uh, he will, he doesn't seem to be concerned about the facts oftentimes. Uh, but when he's caught in a lie, we'll, we'll double down on it. They also are, are not happy with a lot of his hateful rhetoric. And I think Marie Newman uh, displays many of those same characteristics. Uh, she was called out by the Better Go- Government Association, PolitiFact, and Chicago Sun-Times a couple weeks ago uh, for saying that uh, I had uh, gotten rid of a law that uh, fined railroads for block crossings. And uh, PolitiFact, BGA, Sun-Times said, no, this was done by the courts, uh, called out Ms. Newman for... Uh, a, a false statement. And, and this is just one of the many things that she has said that, that are false. I, I, I support a, not only support, I voted for raising the minimum wage to $15 and she claims I oppose it. Uh, I voted for co-sponsored voted for the dream and promise act last year to give dreamers a pathway to citizenship. She claims that I opposed dreamers and I oppose immigrants. Uh, that's just a start of a list of what she is running against me on and things that are just plainly not true. And to me, that's very Trump-like behavior. Uh, and add, added on to that, um, you know, just the, the, the personal attack that I somehow did something to her family. Uh, I understand our politics needs to be above that. And I, I don't want people to think that that is the way that politics should be done. And I've tried to, throughout my entire career, uh, really keep things at a level of what we should be talking about, issues and differences in, uh, in opinion and beliefs on, on issues. Um, I know that, uh, that you've said, and, and I suppose we would all like to think that, that the majority of people want to see a kinder, gentler politics. But how concerned are you that President Trump's popularity is as high as it has ever been? And people at the rallies seem to enjoy hearing him slam other people. Um, reporters, I can tell you, are hearing from people who say who agree with him that we are the enemy of the people, for the kind of work we do, 
Uh, how concerned are you that maybe the mood of the country isn't as generous as you would like it to be? Well, it does concern me that we have become uh, almost very tribal in this country. And the, the feeling that you have to either join one tribe or the other, and you need to subscribe to every, uh, the, every policy issue, you need to agree 100% with your team. Uh, it gets me in trouble in the Democratic Party because I'm willing to sometimes say no. I, I don't think that, uh, you know, I'm not going to follow 100%. I represent my, my constituents. And uh, th- there are a few issues. I mean, I'm 95% of the time with, with the Democratic Party. Some people think that that's, that's not enough. I think that's killing our, our politics. It's really extremely harmful, harmful to our country. And we need to get back to trying to work together to solve problems. I'm a member of the Bipartisan House Problem Solvers uh, Caucus. 20 Democrats, 20 Republicans. We meet every week. It's one of the few places in Washington where we have Democrats and Republicans talking about issues and trying to come to an agreement and try to find solutions. We need more of that. Unfortunately, our political leaders are really driving people apart both on both sides. It's not just President Trump. There are those on the left, I think, who are also trying to divide people. And that is just very harmful to our country. That is what, you know, I'm, I'm running because I think we need to change the way that politics is done in this country. I think most Americans feel the same way, but they are, feel like they're being forced to, to make a you know, A or B choice. And that, that should not be the way it is. Marie Newman wants to divide people and force this A or B choice. I say we need to work together, come up with solutions. There's a lot of problems that are people, Americans face, and we need to come together and work together to solve those problems. We've only got a couple of minutes left. Who are you supporting for president on the Democratic side? I have not endorsed anyone for, for president right now. We'll see how it uh, develops. It uh, certainly looks completely um, up in the air right now. Tell me what your what is your primary focus when you make that selection? I mean, is it is it policy? Is it who can beat Trump? What what's your what's what are the measures you're using? I think I I think it really needs to be a a combination of of both because you you can only uh, get things done if you're in office. And so certainly electability is, is an issue, um, but uh, the policies are, policies are certainly uh, extremely, extremely important. But you cannot, uh, if, you're not, if you don't win, you cannot be involved at all. So I think electability is, is a legitimate uh, thing to think about. How short is your short list? Well, the, uh, the number of Democrats who are... Uh, Still running is uh, getting shorter all, all the time. But uh, look, there's uh, right now, what, a one in three chance, supposedly, of a, uh, uh, a contested um, convention, uh, so a broker convention. So that would, um, we haven't seen one in a very long time. We'll see what happens. Would you look forward to that, a, a brokered convention? <laughs> uh well, I'll tell you, the uh, political scientist in me uh, would find it very interesting, but I think it, w- it would be very detrimental to the Democratic Party. I don't think that would be good. 
Yeah, and I mean, the last convention wasn't brokered, but it still was pretty, you know, pretty rough at some point. Well, I think there's going to be an issue of bringing the uh, Democratic Party back together again. I, I, I really think that uh, uh, in general, uh, we need to make sure that we come together. Uh, we need a big tent. We need to have as many people, bring as many people in as, as possible, not push people out of the party. And so I think that has to be a consideration also in who we, uh, who the Democratic Party nominates. That's going to be the final word. Thank you. Third District Congressman Daniel Lipinski, thanks for spending this time. Thank you. Uh, to our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That's WBBMNewsRadio.com. Just follow the podcast links. You can also find our podcasts on Radio.com. I'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue. Actually, I expect our guest to be Rush Darwish, the, uh, uh, another one of the challenges in this race. And I hope you will be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. T Mobile.com.